good to have you here this morning, folks. Welcome to Generations Church. My name is Darcy. I'm the lead pastor here. And thank you so much, worship team, uh, Gina and everybody for helping us out so much this morning. That was awesome. It is so good just to be gathered together and uh, talk about some really significant things. Uh, this morning, we are beginning a new series uh, that I'm actually very excited about, but I realize that some of you may think this is kind of like going to the dentist. You know, it's something that probably is important, but that doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it uh, because we're talking about relationships. We're, we're calling this series, This Is Us, Marriage, Singleness, and the Bible. Woohoo! Because here's the deal. Everybody in the room is either married or single. Did you know that? Isn't that profound? In fact, if you're married or not married, would you just put up your hand? If you're married or not married, put up your hand. Okay, there's some of you that aren't sure. That, 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 that's potentially a, a problem, but basically this is, this is an area that, that hits all of us, and so maybe it's a good idea to think about what the Bible says about it. And friends, the Bible has a lot to say about uh, this whole issue. And not only does the Bible have a lot to say about this, but our culture has a lot to say about this. And if we don't talk about what the Bible says, I think it's very easy for us to inadvertently and even unintentionally lose clarity. Are the ideas and the assumptions that we have, and not just believe in, but actually live out, uh, informed by what our culture says about these areas, or actually informed by what Jesus says? And so whether you're a committed follower of Jesus here this morning or someone that's uh, curious and exploring what it means uh, to be a follower of Jesus, uh, we're gonna talk about what the Bible says about marriage and singleness uh, because this is just something that's really important. And, and so we're gonna jump in over the next few weeks. And this morning, we're going to begin talking about marriage. And when it comes to having a, a biblical understanding of marriage, I think the best place for us to start is a little verse in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 13, verse four. And we're gonna put it on the screen. There it is. And it simply says this, marriage should be, what's the word? Honored by everyone and the husband and wife should keep their marriage pure. Marriage should be honored by who? by everyone. Now I realize this series, and in fact, this, uh, this talk this morning is gonna be heard from a, a hundred different perspectives. We've got people here this morning that are not married, uh, people that are not married but wish they were, uh, people that are married and maybe wish they weren't, <laughs> uh, people that were married but are not married anymore. Uh, but regardless of whether you're married or not or want to be married or not, the first thing that we need to understand is that Scripture says that all of us, whether or not we are married, whether or not we want to be married, all of us are called to honor and respect this idea of marriage. What my dad used to call the institution of marriage. Somebody said, yeah, you get married, you need to be in an institution, but that's not what he was talking about. 
So I want us to, to start this morning by thinking about the idea that marriage is something that all of us need to honor and respect and protect. And this applies to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter if you've never been married. It doesn't matter if you used to be married. It doesn't matter if you're currently married. And you know what? That probably includes most of us. Well, all of us. Either never been, used to been, or currently. So this is an important idea because frankly, this is something that our culture has lost sight of. Uh, rather than being honored, marriage in many circles is dismissed. It's dismissed as irrelevant. It's dismissed as unnecessary. In fact, it's even dismissed as unhelpful. I mean, who needs to get married? It just creates all these expectations and these legal entanglements and it, and it ties you down. If you're a woman, it's a career buster. And you know what? You don't need to get married. You just live together. So marriage is dismissed. Uh, marriage gets uh, discouraged and devalued. People make a game out of marriage. That's what I think TV shows like The, the Bachelor and The Bachelorette are all about. They're, they're, they're making a game out of some of this stuff. Marriage also gets delayed in our culture. And people are delaying marriage. And frankly, there are some good reasons to delay marriage, but there's also some selfish reasons and some misunderstanding. I think one of the ones that we have right now is that we've placed our focus on the wedding. And when I say wedding, I actually mean party rather than on the marriage ceremony. And so we delay marriage because we wanna have money for a big party instead of actually coming before the Lord in a marriage ceremony. Another huge issue in our culture is that marriage is uh, being deconstructed. It's being redefined. What marriage is all about has been stretched and reshaped to mean something quite different than what most people understood marriage to mean even a decade ago. But here in the New Testament book of Hebrews, we find this verse that says that instead of being dismissed or discouraged or delayed or redefined, marriage should be honored by everyone. Well, why is that? Well, for a very simple but profound reason. Because marriage is God's idea. It's not just a good idea. It's God's idea. It's not a human idea. It's God's idea. Why is it important for us to honor marriage? Because marriage was God's idea. One of the coolest things I get to do as a, as a pastor is uh, perform marriage ceremonies. And I gotta be really careful how I talk about that because uh, sometimes it comes out like, oh, I'm going to marry so-and-so. You know, I, I'm going to, I did Chantel's wedding. I'm going to marry Chantel. Well, actually, I'm not going to marry Chantel. Edgar's gonna marry Chantel. I'm just gonna perform the marriage ceremony, right? So, so I gotta be very careful how I talk about this. But one of the cool things I get to do as a pastor is perform the marriage ceremony. And it's just uh, really special for me and an honor for me to uh, be part of a significant moment in people's lives. And, and if I did your wedding, and I've done a, a few of your weddings, uh, I may have started with this statement. Marriage was God's idea. It's not just a legal ceremony or a social custom, but a sacred institution. And, and hopefully I didn't use the big preacher voice when, when, I, when I said it at, at your wedding, right? But there's that word again, 
an institution. And what we mean by that is, is something that's an institution, it means it's a valued pattern of behavior that is important to society. And so marriage is a valued pattern of behavior that's important to society. But it's not just important to society, it is a sacred institution. It is a sacred pattern of behavior. It's a relation that was created by God, just like you were created by God. In fact, God specifically created and designed us as humans the way that we are with marriage in mind. Jesus was very clear about that. There's a story in Mark chapter 10 where some Pharisees came to Jesus and tried to trick him and and they said, is it right for a man to divorce his wife? And part of Jesus' answer to that was was this, starting in verse six. He says, but when God made the world, he made them male and female. He's quoting Genesis. So a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one body. So there are not two, but one. God has joined the two together so no one should separate them. Now we could spend a lot of time talking about what Jesus says here because it's, it's really important. But let me boil it down to four big ideas. The first thing that Jesus is saying is that marriage is God's creation. Like we said, it's not a human idea. It's, it's not a human plan. It's not just a tradition that our culture has bought into that we can throw out or modify because we think we got a better idea or because we think it's become old fashioned or obsolete. The idea of marriage actually goes all the way back to the creation of the world in the beginning. The second thing that Jesus says is that marriage is for a male and a female, a man and a woman. There is an intentionality of design. God thought up marriage and he thought up gender and he thought up sex. And both genders are created in the image of God. But, but when God created them, he created the male body intentionally different from the female body. And the body parts fit together on purpose. Uh, God wasn't surprised by that. And friends, sex is part of God's good design and part of God's intention for marriage. So it's for a male and a female. And the third thing that Jesus is saying is that marriage is to be an exclusive relationship. When a couple marry, part of their vows, at least the weddings that I do, need to have a statement in it where it says that they will forsake all others and be faithful to each other. Specifically faithful to each other sexually because the two become one. And the most devastating thing that can can happen in a marriage is, is when that exclusivity Uh, is broken. The fourth thing that Jesus is clear on is that marriage is to be permanent. It's to be for life. When you get married or even more specifically, when you have sex, God joins you together and you become one. It's meant to be a permanent relationship. It's meant to be for life. And so Jesus says, you know, don't mess with it. You just can't fool around with our relationships because God joins you together. God makes you one. So don't allow to be ripped apart or don't try to rip apart what God has made one. Do you realize how crazy and radical 
those ideas are that marriage is God's plan. It's his idea for, for one man and one woman in an exclusive relationship that's a permanent thing. That's, that's a, a pretty radical idea in our culture because our culture doesn't think about marriage like that anymore. It's not necessarily that our culture is anti-marriage. In fact, most people still want to get married. I mean, isn't that what the bachelor's all about? People want to get married. Isn't that what say yes to the dress is all about, right? People, people still like the idea of marriage, but the, the deeper attitude towards marriage has really shifted. And as followers of Jesus, we need to be really clear about God's original plan. Now, let me just underscore that I'm talking big picture here. I'm talking general principles. I'm not saying that you have to be married. (laughs) I'm not saying that you should be married. I'm definitely not saying that if you're not married, you're less than God intended or, or planned. In fact, we're going to talk about singleness next week and how that is a very real part of, of God's, God's plan uh, for our lives. Uh, I'm also not saying that if your marriage has been hard or if your marriage has failed, that Jesus is disappointed in you. Uh, you may have had disappointment in marriage, friends, but Jesus isn't disappointed in you. And so please hear what I'm, or don't hear what what I'm not saying. Uh, This morning, we're just trying to get kind of the big picture look at marriage and understand what God intends it to be because marriage should be honored by everyone, whether you're married or not. Whatever case or state that you are in, in, in or out of a marriage relationship. So we need to understand the big idea here. So that's where we're going this morning. So let's talk about why God created marriage. Why does marriage matter? What is marriage really all about? Why is it something that God wants all of us to honor? Not just the people that are married. Can we try to understand what God was trying to do when he created this thing called marriage? Some of you are saying, Pastor, I've been married for 60 years and I'm still trying to figure that out. (laughs) So let's talk about it. I got to watch myself. I could get myself in big trouble this morning. Number one, God created marriage for love and companionship. Part of God's good design for humanity is that God has wired us for relationship. And frankly, friends, that's a reflection of, of who he is. We're made in the image of God. We bear his image, whether we're male or female, we are made in his image and God exists and has always existed in relationship. There's the Holy Trinity of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so when God made us and made us in his image, he made us for relationship, relationship with himself and relationship with each other. And part of that wiredness for relationship is expressed through marriage. Now, now companionship and relationship is definitely not limited to marriage. Friendship is vitally important. It's, it's a huge relationship that is so important to our lives. And marriage is certainly not the only kind of important relationship that you should have or that you need in your life. But marriage is a unique relationship. 
You talk to any married couple and they'll tell you that, man, you need all kinds of relationships, but there's something unique about the relationship of a man and a woman who are committed to each other for the rest of their lives in marriage. It really is a relationship class by itself. And, and, and that's why God calls it something very specific. He calls it not just friendship, but he calls it marriage. You know, it's really interesting. You go back to uh, Genesis chapter two. Uh, it says that God created Adam, but he didn't make Eve until later. Have you ever noticed that? Why did God do that? Why didn't he just create Adam and Eve at the same time? One little girl noticed that and she said, God created Adam first and then looked at him and said, I can do better than that. (laughs) Created Eve. Is that what it's about? (laughs) Well, God, I want to ask you how long you've been married, Taddy, but I know it's a long time. But God created Adam first and then God said in 18, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper, a companion, a partner. And I don't think when God said that, he was going, oh, I made a mistake. Like, oops, it's not like the, the GPS on your car, recalculating, you know? It, it, you know, God wasn't doing that because he didn't understand what it was going to look that like, because it says that after he says that, God asked Adam to name the animals. There's an order here that happens in that story that I think is significant. And so when Adam named the animals, it says uh, that he named the birds of the air and named the wild animals, but he didn't find a suitable companion for himself. And I thought a lot about that. And I remember very clearly the, the day that the penny dropped. And at that point, I had been married uh, a few years and uh, was just kind of walking through some stuff in, in, in our relationship uh, that every couple kind of walks through. And as I was thinking about this, I realized that God actually wanted Adam to understand how much he needed someone else in his life. Specifically, a woman in his life to love, a a companion, a partner, a helpmate, someone more like him than anyone else. I mean, we think men and women are different, right? But actually it's our similarities that bring us together. I mean, man may be a dog's best friend, but your dog is nothing like your wife. Like I said, I could get myself in really big trouble this morning if I'm not careful. I better stick to my notes. Where am I? (laughs) Men and women were wired to be companions intentionally and God wanted Adam to figure that out for himself. So God created marriage for, for love and companionship. He also created marriage for children and family. Part of God's unique design for the human race is that he decided that babies were going to be made and raised through this loving relationship called marriage. Now, again, I understand that you don't have to be married to make a baby or raise a child, but we need to understand that God's plan was for this to happen through marriage 
not outside of marriage. And if that's not your reality, I want you to know that God loves you, we love you, we care for you, and this morning in talking about this, I am in no way trying to put you down or, or, or kind of rub salt in the wound or, or, or bring shame or, or hurt you or anything like that. We're just talking about the ideal of God's original design and intention, despite the reality that many of us walk through uh, in, in our lives and, and in this broken world that we live in, okay? Can you, can you understand that? God's plan was to see children come into the world through a loving relationship called marriage. And amazingly, this idea is something that is so deep inside the heart of humanity that it doesn't matter where you go on the planet, whatever culture you look at, with almost no exception, you find that marriage is the place where babies are to be made and raised. Now, when I'm talking about uh, marriage being a, a loving place, I'm not just talking about love that, that's an emotion or love that is sexual passion. And friends, there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, God created it. It's good. God wanted it to be something that we would enjoy. Uh, He actually designed the human race to populate the planet by having sex. Think about that. I was reading something by Rick Warren this weekend, and he said this, God chose everybody who's going to be in heaven to come into existence through marriage and sex. Just just ponder that for a moment. Since Adam and Eve, uh, you and I and everybody else that have ever lived are alive because a couple got together and had sex. I mean, that, that's how God decided to populate the world. That's also how God decided to populate heaven. Crazy. But that's the plan. God's plan was to see children come into the world through a loving relationship called marriage. A love that is more than just an emotion or more than just a few moments of passion. It's the kind of love that cares and nurtures and protects and provides. That was God's plan. It is in fact the very kind of love that is a direct reflection of God's nature and God's character himself. The very fact that there is a creation, the very fact that you exist and that I exist and this world exists is because God wanted to love someone. God wanted to express his love. The Bible says that God is love and God created the world so that he could love the world and he loves the world. God made you so that he could love you. And if he didn't want you, if if he didn't want to love you, friends, you wouldn't exist. You exist because God wants to love you. But God created this universe because he wanted a family to love. And he created the human race so he could love us, knowing that some of us would choose to love him back and become part of his forever family in eternity, the children of God. But here's something that I want you to catch this morning. In marriage, God has implanted his ability and his desire to love with his ability to create, to bring life into the world. 
to bring babies and children into our world and, 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 and into my world, but friends, also into his world. Not only into our family. We talk about, you know, I'm going to start a family. Well, well that, that's wonderful, but it's not just about your family. It's about his family. And he wants us to take that responsibility very seriously. And it starts with protecting our marriage relationships. Last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, marriage was was on the rocks in that, that culture. And the prophet said this, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Well, God's very clear what he wants from your marriage. God wants godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to your wife of your youth. So, so what's, what's this verse saying? That, that if you, you don't have babies, God's not happy? No, that's not what it's saying. I think um, what it's saying, now I'm getting off my notes again. I'm going to get in trouble. Um, I know that for many of us, you know, a healthy marriage has not been our reality and our experience. But again, this verse reminds us of the reality that a stable family and a stable marriage is the safest and best place for kids to grow up. God actually designed marriage and family to provide everything that a child needs to thrive physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I mean, making a baby is obviously a team sport, right? But so is raising a child. And children thrive in an environment where dad and mom love each other and love them. And it's in that order. They love each other first. And I wanna say this kindly and with, with much love to all of us this morning, regardless of what we've walked through in our lives, I think you would agree that divorce is devastating. It's devastating for husband and wife, but it's also devastating for children and for youth. It's even devastating for adult children. Now, the good news is, is that I believe in the power of God to bring healing and to bring hope and to bring life to people and children that experience marriage breakdown, to, to those who maybe grow up in a home without knowing dad. And, and we pray and we love and we help and we care and, and we become spiritual parents and, and even foster parents or adoptive parents like that great conference that's coming up uh, next week at, at, at our friends in the Salvation Army Church. Uh, to, God calls us and enables us to, to step in and, and help bridge the gap in those situations. But the reality is, is that divorce and cohabitation and family instability create volatile conditions that make children vulnerable. Make them vulnerable economically, academically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you can read the studies for yourself. I don't want to go into all the details, but it just shows that those that experience that kind of volatility in their family of origin often deal at a higher level with things like depression and drugs and even perpetuating their own fragile relationships in, in their own marriage life. And I know that there are always exceptions. And friends, I thank God for that. 
and we believe God for, for intervention. We believe God for, for miracles and for healing and for, for restoration. But statistically, the sociologists say that children who live with their own two parents will be healthier physically, uh, emotionally, economically, spiritually. And as a follower of Jesus, I can say that's because God created marriage for children and for family. And he wants us to guard our hearts. And he wants us to be loyal to the partner of our youth. In fact, I love this verse in in Proverbs 14 from the New Century Version. It says, those who respect the Lord, those who respect the Lord and his ways will have security and their children will be protected. There's, There's a protection that comes to our kids when we live life God's way. Now, there's a few other important reasons why God created marriage, and and both of them are so huge, we could take an entire message on on each. In fact, we're going to do that in a couple of weeks with one of them, but let's talk uh, a little bit about one last reason, and then we're going to bring this to a close. Uh, Why God created marriage, probably the most important reason of all, and and frankly, many of us have never heard of it, uh, don't understand it. Uh, but it really is the primary reason, uh, maybe the most deep and profound reason that God created marriage. And it's this. God wanted it to be a picture of our relationship with Jesus. God wanted it to be a picture of our relationship with Jesus. God actually invented marriage to be a living picture of how we relate to God and how God wants to relate to us. It's it's a metaphor. It's a symbol. It's a sign. It's a living, walking object lesson of how God loves us and how we are to relate to him. Let's look at one of the most profound passages of scripture uh, there is. It's, it's Ephesians chapter five. And, and Paul in this passage is talking about marriage, but he's actually talking about the church and about Christ. And he reveals a secret, a, a mystery about marriage. Let's pick it up in verse 25, where he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it to make it belong to God. How did Christ love the church? I mean, we just came through Easter and and Good Friday last week. We know how Christ loved the church. He sacrificed his life. He died for the church. And husbands, that's the way we are to love our wives. We're to die for our wives. We're to put her needs above our own. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He died so that he could give the church to himself like a bride in all her beauty. He died so that the church could be pure and without fault, with no evil or sin or any other wrong thing in it. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as they love their own bodies. The man who loves his wife loves himself and no one ever hates his body but feeds and takes care of it. And that's what Christ does for the church because we're, 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 parts, uh, we're part of his body. And, and this passage gets a little confusing here because Paul starts mixing his metaphors, right? <laughs> he's talking about his own body. He's talking about his wife, marriage. What's he talking about? Well, he says the scripture says, and he's quoting Genesis and Jesus here, So a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one body. And that secret is very important. And I'm talking about Christ 
And the church, he's just like, what? Wait, wait a minute here. I thought Paul was talking about marriage. I thought he's talking about husbands and wives. He said, no, no, no. He says, you need to understand something about marriage. And it's something that most people don't understand. There is a secret embedded in marriage. There is a mystery embedded in marriage that has been hidden until now. And he says, the reason why marriage is the way that it is, the reason God created marriage the way that he did way back in Genesis is because from the very beginning, God intended it to be a reflection, a picture, a living illustration, a foreshadowing of the love and the care and the sacrifice and the relationship that Jesus would one day have with his bride, the church. And it's like God said, you know, how can I help people understand how much I love them? How can I help them understand how much I care for them, how much I will sacrifice for them? How can I help them understand how much joy and delight and affection I have for them. And it's like he says, I know, he says, when I create man and women or man and woman, I will give them a relationship that is modeled on the relationship that I will have with them through Jesus. And we'll call it marriage. And the love and the companionship and the joy and the sacrifice and the exclusivity of marriage will give them a glimpse and a taste and a picture of who I am and how I love them and how I care for them. And you know what? You don't have to be married uh, to get this picture or, or to understand this living illustration. You just have to be human. Because you can observe the marriage that, that you grew up in, or you can observe the marriages that are around you. Even the very fact that you're male and female, uh, male or female, uh, helps you to innately understand that there's something beyond yourself. Uh, there's this thing that wants to pull you into relationship. There's this thing called love. There's care, there's sacrifice for another. And friends, that's why as followers of Jesus, it's so important for our marriages to be healthy and to be holy and to be strong because marriage is intended to be a living illustration of how much Jesus loves us, an illustration for our children, an illustration for our world, an illustration of the loving relationship that he wants to have with each of us, the sacrifice that he willingly makes because of his love for us. It's a picture. And friends, is it any wonder that the enemy of our souls wants to destroy marriage? Not just because of the misery that it brings to men and women and children, you know, the, the social and emotional pain, the, the trauma to our souls, how it destroys the tangible benefits that this relationship of marriage and this institution of the family is supposed to bring to, to men and women and children. But it's because it ruins the picture of Jesus' incredible love for us, his bride, the church. That's why the enemy wants to see marriage 
destroyed. Do you see how valuable, how important, how sacred marriage is? You don't have to be married to to see it or understand that or appreciate that. And friends, that's why marriage is supposed to be honored by everyone. And why marriage is to be kept as an exclusive relationship and have that understanding, not just by those that are married, but by everyone. Because no other relationship on planet earth can adequately illustrate our union with Christ the way a marriage between a man and a woman does. And that's why marriage matters. That's why it needs to be honored. That's why it cannot be redefined. That's why it must be protected. And friends, it doesn't say what people say about it, what our culture says about it. It doesn't matter what the opinion polls say or what the politicians say or the intellectual elites say or pop culture icons say. What really matters is what God says. Because he made us in his image as male and female and he created us for this thing called marriage because it was for love and companionship, for children and family, and to be a picture of our relationship with Jesus. So what is your attitude towards marriage? Do you honor marriage? Regardless of whether you are or are not married, whether you want to be married or whether you were married? Do you respect it? Do you hold it in high esteem? For those of you that are married, do you protect your marriage and work to make it the best that it can be? For those of you that aren't married, do you protect and honor the relationships of those that are married, your friends, your family, your co-workers? Do you encourage them and support them and honor them in the relationship that they have pledged themselves to? You know, it's amazing that while we live in a culture that's mostly forgotten why marriage matters, it still makes big news, doesn't it? There's gonna be a royal wedding next month. It's probably gonna be the most watched event. Well, maybe the World Cup is gonna be bigger than that, but a lot of people are gonna watch this, this, this wedding that, that happens. It's gonna be the event of the year. Why? Because in spite of all the public and political pressure, all of us instinctively know deep inside the value, the sweetness, the beauty of one man and one woman committing themselves to becoming one flesh and living together in love for their entire lives. It's a beautiful thing, and we know it. Eileen came home from work the other day, and she said, I met somebody today. A gentleman had come in, and he was 98 years old. He is, and his wife have been married and are married for 76 years and counting. 76 years! It's amazing. And there's something inside of us that all just goes, wow. Marriage matters, friends. It's God's idea, and he calls all of us to honor it. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, you've designed us with this desire to be in relationship because, Lord, you are a relational God. You want to be in relationship with us. And God, I pray for my friends here this morning, if there's anyone that is exploring what it means to be in relationship with you, that you would make yourself very real to their hearts. And even the image and the understanding of what marriage is and what you intended to be. Lord, may it be a signpost and a roadmap of your love for us as your bride. And God, may us as your people, specifically the church, do the hard work that is necessary to honor the marriages that we are involved in. Individually, the marriages of our friends and our families. Lord, may we be people who bless and encourage and support Lord, for those who have had difficulty in their marriage, Jesus, I pray that there would be an extra dose of your grace and your love and that we as their friends and family spiritually would be ones that would gather around with love and care and support, knowing, Lord, that you are a good God that brings great healing and restoration. And for these things, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo! I think I made it. Hey. Our ministry team is going to be here at the front, and they would love to pray with you. Uh, certainly not just about marriage issues, but about whatever's going on in your life. If you just want someone to encourage you and support you, uh, that's what we're here for. Otherwise, friends, go enjoy a great cup of coffee, and let's honor the Lord and encourage each other this Sunday morning. God bless you.